Thank you, Pastor. Appreciate the opportunity to be here this week, and I'm so glad to see Mike back, and uh, uh, we love the whole family and the staff here and the church. We're so glad to be a part of this place for a long time, and we're just believing uh, that we go higher this week together. We're believing the Lord to do some things. If only I do something, not much is going to happen, but if God does something, we're going to see great things happen this week. Amen? Praise the Lord. And I want us to turn to Isaiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 7. If you have a Bible on your phone, you can open it up. If you uh, brought one, you'll open it up, uh, but it'll be up here on the screen as well. And uh, before I begin preaching, I have a friend uh, that was with me uh, when I was in the earthquake in Haiti uh, about seven years ago, he was a pastor from Indiana. He helped me with this sermon, and, and I want to give him a little credit. Uh, uh, you know, I've had help before, but he really helped me. So I'm, I'm just going to give Chad McAtee a little shout-out today if he happens to listen. He listens uh, to some of my sermons, so I didn't want to steal from him without giving him credit. All right, don't act like all of your ideas are just, uh, you came up with them in the middle of the night, God gave you everything you ever say. All right, Isaiah 1, 4 through 7. This was written at least 700 years before the birth of Christ, but it prophesies to us today. Ah, sinful nation of people laden with iniquity offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. Why will you still be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint from the sole of the foot even to the head. There is no soundness in it but bruises and sores and raw wounds. They are not pressed out or bound up or softened with oil. Your country lies desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. In your very presence, foreigners devour your land. It is desolate as overthrown by foreigners. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the anointing that destroys every, every yoke of bondage. If we ever needed you, we need you today. We're asking for your mercy today. Lord, send revival today. Send breakthrough today. Lord, there's people here today that are hurting. There are people here that are in need. I pray that they will not leave here like they have come. Bring peace. For those uh, that need peace, uh, I speak peace to the storm right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. And even those that need healing, I speak healing into their body now in the name of the Lord. Let us hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, tell your neighbor God does the impossible and you can be seated. God does the impossible. I read this passage of Scripture, and I realized that uh, the passage that I read, it was written long before Jesus was even born, but it felt like it was for us today. And I will tell you today that I am going to say it like this, I'm fed up. 
I don't know what you are, but I, I have some things that as I watch the news and I watch the things happening in the world today that I'm fed up. Maybe you don't use the word fed up. Maybe you're ticked off. I don't know if that's okay to use here. I, I preached in a church a long time ago, and there's this little old lady came up to me, and she said, Brother Eccles, she called me Brother Eccles, she said, I, I, I liked your preaching except when you cussed. And I said, uh, what do you mean? She said, you said somebody was upset or, or mad. I said, ticked off. She said, there you go again. I said to that lady, I said, well, ticked off was not one of the words I used to use when I cussed. So I will tell you today, I'm going to say it like this, I'm fed up. There's some things that I cannot be silent about. I will no longer participate in the sin of silence. I've got to talk about them. How many understand that you and I, we are in this world, but we are not of it? The Bible says we are called to be salt and light. And we have a warning in the Word of God that if we lose our saltiness, then we are good for nothing. Are you with me today? If we're going to be like everybody else, then there's really no reason for us to be here. So I believe uh, today I have a list, and my list that of uh, things I'm fed up with may not be your list, okay? And I'm not going to tell you everything that I'm fed up with. Some of you couldn't handle everything that bothers me, but I, I'm going to give you my list. And if you agree, you can say amen. If you uh, 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 disagree, I guess you could say oh me. If you want to say, uh, I get it, you can clap your hands, whatever you like, but or you can just sit there like a lump on a log, that is your choice. But here's my list of things that I'm fed up with. Why is it okay in this nation to get an abortion, but it's not okay to pray in school? I'm fed up today. I would say, why is it okay for the guidance counselor to pass out contraceptives at the public school, but they cannot tell the student to remain pure? How is it that in this nation we have a more than 50-year tradition of praying before a ball game, but because of one atheist, we have to stop that tradition. I am fed up with it today. I am fed up with racism in this nation. I will tell you it has to stop. It is a sin. I'm tired of the filth on television and movies just to make it more real. I'm fed up with the NBA and the NFL trying to be the moral police for the world. I say to the NFL and the NBA, police yourself. I'm fed up with judges overturning the will of the people. And I'm fed up with reality shows that treat women like a piece of meat teaching our young people the wrong way to get a mate. I'm fed up with those in authority abusing it and those with no authority being disrespectful. I'm fed up with those who say tolerance, but they have no tolerance whatsoever. I'm fed up uh, in the church with empty altars, and I'm fed up with the church having the same value system that the world has. I'm fed up with people thinking because they have Facebook, Twitter, a Snapchat, and a blog that they have a platform to talk when they should not be talking. 
I'm fed up with good being called evil and evil being called good and Christians who are silent because somebody said that we are judgmental. I'm fed up with the discussions about church and state. I would have to say that every state needs a church. If you agree with me today, somebody shout me too. But now, I understand with all these things that we could be fed up with, and the list could get longer, and it may be shorter for some. I'm not asking you to agree with everything that I say. But I am going to say this, that if we walk around as fed up Christians, how many understand we're not going to make much impact in the world? The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I will tell you that if we walk around ticked off, fed up, upset, grumpy and gripey, nobody's coming to our Jesus. So we have to have an answer for our being filled up and, or fed up. And I believe the answer to our being fed up, number two, is to be filled up. In the upper room, we find 120 people that had been there when Jesus was crucified. Many of them saw, they were live witnesses of what happened to Jesus just prior to them going to that upper room. And they went there and uh, they were fed up themselves. They were fed up with the system and the spirit of the age. They were fed up with themselves. Probably most of them had denied Christ. Uh, They were fed up and they were disillusioned with religion and even the politics of the day. They had 40 days they had to deal with their grief, and they had 40 days to deal with their unbelief and their pain and their sorrow. They saw the nails drove into Jesus' hand. They saw the, the, the thorns thrust into Jesus' brow. They were dealing with this. They had anger, I'm sure, at those that killed Jesus. But they decided the answer to their issues and the things that they were fed up with uh, was not to just be angry and be upset. They had missed the Messiah. He had came and they missed him. They decided that they were going to get filled up. Acts 1.8, the Bible says, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and under the end of the earth. Those in the upper room... They had everything, but they did not have power. He said, but you'll receive power after the Holy Ghost, after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. They'd been hiding in a room the day before. They'd been hiding, and then they they were dealing with all their grief and their issues and their anger and their, their fed-upness, if that's a word. And then suddenly the Bible said there came a sound from heaven like as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Suddenly. I like that word suddenly. Everybody say suddenly. You know, we've been hiding uh, a lot of us in the church seat. Some of us need a good suddenly today. The Bible said uh, that when that sound came in, uh, it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And then we go over to Acts 4 and 20. They said, we cannot but speak 
of what we have seen and heard. They kept talking about what the Lord Jesus had done for them. You know, I I think that people that go to the grace place ought to get on people's last nerves talking about the good things the Lord has done for them. They ought to talk about, we had a great service. Pastor preached a great message uh, and and, uh, people got saved and people were delivered and there was breakthrough. We ought to tell about what the Lord has done for us. In Acts chapter 16, verses 25 and 26, it says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly, everybody say suddenly, there's that word again, suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened, suddenly. I like that. I, I will tell you today, I'm believing for some suddenly. Some of you, I, I want to say it like this. You know, I've been praying and I've been hearing something about 40 days in the Bible. You hear about uh, the giant, uh, he came out 40 days and, and uh, he taunted the people of God for 40 days. But I've been thinking about that 41st day. And I've been thinking about Noah and the ark. 40 days, it rained and it rained and it rained. But what about that 41st day? I'm going to tell you somebody here, it may not be exactly 40 days, but you've been going through some things. I believe this is the 41st day. I believe this is the beginning of a breakthrough in your life. This is the day that a suddenly comes. I like the word suddenly. The Bible said the power fell. But what I notice in the Bible, the power didn't just fall in a church, but it fell in a house, and it fell on a road, and it fell in a chariot, and it fell in a prison. How many know this power that I'm talking about that Jesus said you needed to be filled with? uh, We need to let that power fall everywhere and anywhere on everyone. I believe it's time to get filled up. Tell your neighbor, get filled up. Do you realize that if God is going to heal our land, we need to be filled up? We need to be filled up. We think the answer's in a lot of things. If this would happen, I'm going to tell you, I got all the answers, but none of them really work. Jesus is still the answer. We need to get filled up with Him today, amen? I started preaching when I was 19. I got an invitation to go out on the Indian Reservation, the Navajo Indian Reservation. Out off of I-40, you take it out, past Gallup, about 30 miles. There's a little place called Hauk out in the middle of nowhere, and it had a... uh, post office at the time and there was some missionaries there that had invited me to come. They said, you're going to do a three-day tent revival. When I got out there, I'm 19, I had three sermons ready. I get there and they say, oh, you misunderstood. We said three weeks. Now, I'm 19. I got three sermons. And you may not think I preach good now, but I've had 34 years of practice. I was pretty bad in those days, and I preached that revival in the tent out there in the Indian Reservation, and first night I preached, second night I preached, third night, after the third night, the missionary's wife, sister, Gotchen, that's G-O-E-T-J-E-N, they're still living, they live in Oregon now, they're retired, they live with their son, they're great people, they help me a lot, I thank God for people that help me. 
But the missionary's wife took me aside. And she said, I, I got to talk to you a little bit about the services. She said, your singing was okay. She said, your preaching was okay. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If you get up and you, you tell Pastor Mike that his preaching's okay, how many know that doesn't motivate us? You know? Now, I don't know. If you come up to me and tell me my preaching's okay, I, I may need to go watch Joel Osteen and him tell me I'm a champion. That helps me a lot more than okay. Are you understanding me? So I'm not getting much, you know, out of what, I'm not getting built up that much when she said your preaching and singing's okay. But then she dropped the bomb on me. She said, Doug, but the altar service is not okay. That's what she said to me. I said, what do you mean by that? She said, well, here on the res, that's what she called it, the reservation. She said, people are bound by drugs, they're bound by alcohol, they're bound by perversion, and they come into this tent because many of them won't come into our church, but they'll come into a tent. And she said, they come out here bound. And she said, when they go to the altar, you can't just pray a little prayer. you got to pray until they are set free. She said, you got to stick with it, son, until there's a breakthrough. That was a great thing she taught me. So the next day, I'm on my fourth day of preaching. I don't have a sermon for the fourth day. i got to get up real early. I study all day. I, I work as hard as I can, and I'm sure that night that my singing was okay. I, I'm pretty sure I sang, We've got the power. Some of you will remember that. The rest of you can just forgot I sang okay just then. That was really less than okay, but... But I'm just going back in memory lane a little bit there, all right? I preached a sermon. I'm sure it was okay. But at the end of the sermon, a young girl about 15 years walked to the front. When I went to pray for her, you can take this or leave it, but she began to manifest demons. When I went to pray for her, a voice did not come out of her mouth and out of her throat, but it came out of here, real low, and it said, don't touch me. Somebody said, what did you do? I said, I didn't touch her. Now, you may not believe in this, but that's okay. The Bible says you're still to cast out devils, so whatever. We don't make a big deal about it, but it happens. And I believe we got more issues that way than a lot of us want to really realize. Because some things just don't make any sense. I didn't know what to do. I'm 19. Now, I grew up in church, and I'm trying to remember, did this ever happen? And I, I can remember in my dad's preaching, sometimes we'd have something like this happen. Maybe at youth camp I saw something. I'm trying to remember, what did they do? And all I can remember is a, a song they would sing. There's power, power, wonder-working power. So I tried to sing the devil out. It didn't work. I began to beg God. I'm praying like this, God, if you could help me as easily as I could help you, I'd do it. Some of you will catch that tomorrow. I'm like, God, you know that if we don't have a good altar service, that missionary lady is going to eat my lunch. I wasn't worried about the demon-possessed girl. I'm worried about the missionary. 
I said, I need some help. I, I, I'm begging God, and I, I'm, I'm begging God. But you know what I found out? The devil is a liar. I've called him that many times. But you know what? I've decided that's not a good adjective to describe the devil. I believe that we got a lot of liars in church, so calling the devil a liar is really not that big a deal. Tell your neighbor he's not talking about me now, all right? But the devil's a tormentor. He has other names, but I would say that the one that news people and politicians do not like to use would be the word terrorist. He is a terrorist. The devil rules by terror. He tries to grip your heart with fear. How many understand that today's world we try to negotiate with terrorists? We say, nice terrorists, nice terrorists. We pet them, we pat them. But how many understand the only thing a terrorist understands is power and we need the power of God? I'm trying to negotiate with the devil. I'm trying to call him nice devil. I'm asking God to help me. I'm begging. I didn't know what to do. Nothing's happening. But then... I used the power of the Holy Spirit and the authority of Jesus' name. And that little girl was set free by the power of God. And uh, I'm going to tell you, we had a rejoicing in the service that night. Now, you've got to understand that I'm 19 years of age. The missionaries didn't live near where we were having the tent meeting. We were having it at the church. They lived a little bit of ways. But they had set me up with accommodations in the church. That meant I was in a Sunday school room on a Sunday school table with a mattress on top of the table. And we're talking about before there were cell phones. There's no phone in the church. At night it gets so dark on the reservation you can't see your hand in front of your face. About 2 a.m. that night, after church, after that demon was cast out, I'm walking around like I'm God's man of faith and power at 19. But at 2 a.m., I start hearing what I think is like a chain being drugged across the roof of that church. How many know churches are spooky at night? My imagination was playing tricks on me. I sit up straight up in that bed, and all the hair is sticking up off my arm off the back of my neck. And I'm like, what is that sound? And I, I don't, there's nobody I can ask to help me. I'm by myself. Now, where's that God's man of faith and power I was a few minutes ago? I began to think about my dad's sermons. When I was a kid, he'd preach that when the devil is cast out, he looks for a place to live. Some of you are getting it. I'm thinking he's come back to live in the church. And he might want to share that twin bed with me. Are you understanding this? He's a terrorist. 
I found out you cannot sing yourself free from the devil. You can't wish yourself free from the devil. You can't bind the devil without power today. The strong man will not be bound except by someone with power. We have got to have some power. I believe it's time as the church and as your family and as you individually, it is time for us to get filled up. Tell your neighbor, get filled up. Let me hurry with this. When you get fed up and you get filled up, the third thing is automatic. You get fired up. Matthew 3.11, John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. See, today, Pastor Mike and I have no reason not to be on fire. He makes his ministers as of a flaming fire. The Word of God is fire. Even to Jeremiah, the Word of God was like a fire shut up in his bones. In the book of Acts, on the day of Pentecost, there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and is set upon each them. In Zechariah, he's a wall of fire about us. And the Bible said he's a pillar of cloud by day and a fire by night. And in Revelation, he has a fire in his eyes and a sword in his hand. I ask you today, where's our fire? The Bible's full of fire. The Bible said we should be baptized by him who will baptize and ignite the depths of your being and set you on fire. Where's our fire? I read a passage of Scripture out of Isaiah chapter 1, and I want to read what I would consider the cousin of our text today out of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. If you'll look there with me, it said, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. The King James says there will be times uh, that are perilous, perilous times. The Revised Standard Version said there'll be times of stress. I like to say it like this. In the last days, I believe there'll be times when you're fed up. And then it says for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive. And that word abusive in the King James is translated blasphemer. I don't know if you say it like that here. Blasphemer, blasphemer, blasphemer. I don't depends if you're from Texas or Oklahoma. But he says right there that that word abusive, the real translation that there'll be those that blaspheme God. I'm gonna tell you what I hear people talking about God is blasphemy. They talk ugly about my God, the God that brought me out of the miry clay, that did something for me. These are the signs of the last days, that they will be disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but not denying its power, avoid such people. Having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. I believe if you read that scripture in context, you would see that godliness and power go together. That godliness and power and holiness go together. That godliness makes you holy. Where's our power? 
Do we realize that only the power of God will give the depressed hope? Only God's power will set the drug addict and the alcoholic free. God's power will heal the sick. His power will fix the strained relationship and bring forgiveness and reconciliation and more to that power. I will tell you that power is keeping power. It'll keep you saved. It'll keep you whole. I I preach in the Bronx every year at a church that has five services on Sunday morning. They fill the building five times and and uh, I, there's a woman that sits on the front row her uh, she's 77 years old her name is Rosemary Brown she's the first woman executive presbyter for the assemblies of God and she came up to me after the second service and she said my sermon was okay no she said I love to hear you preach some of you'll catch that if you were paying attention she said she hugged me and she said I love to hear you preach she said, where are you going next week? I said, I'm going to Malaga, New Jersey. She began to cry. Sometimes I cry when I have to go to Malaga, New Jersey too. She said, I'm go-. she began to cry and I'm wondering why she's crying. She said, when I was seven years old, they had an Italian Pentecostal camp meeting in that town. She said, I went with my family, and the preacher preached. She said, I walked down the aisle, went to the altar at seven years old. You think God can't do something with a child. You're mad because they're not having anything for kids over first grade. I believe God can get a hold of kids over first grade. She said, I went to the altar at seven years old, and God talked to me about preaching his gospel. He talked to me about things I'm doing right now. She said, God has kept me for 70 years. I will tell you, the power of God can keep you and get you to heaven today if you believe it. Say amen. All right, I want to close with this real quick. Look at Revelation 13.5. Revelation 13.5. We got it here on the screen. And the beast was given a mouth, uttering haughty and blasphemous words. And it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. Now I want to put this together. We said that one of the signs of the last days that people will blaspheme God. Now I understand if you get to Revelation 13, you're into the tribulation. I understand that. Jesus has already come. The rapture has already taken place. But it says the beast, how many know there is going to be an antichrist? He is not revealed. Do you understand that? We do not know who he is, but we do know the characteristics of the antichrist. You understand that? That's why we have books written. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, it was Gorbachev was going to be the next antichrist, and then it was Kissinger, and then it was somebody else. Well, they're wrong. All right? But. People do take on some attributes of the Antichrist. And one of the things that the Antichrist will do is he will blaspheme God for 42 months. Even uh, one of the uh, names on his head is blasphemy. You can look, Revelation 13.1. All right? He's all about blasphemy. Now think about this for a minute. We know the Antichrist has not been revealed. We know things like 666 and the mark of the beast and all those things. People like to have movies about them and they don't really get the thing right, but people are interested in these things. But the Bible says in 1 John that there are many Antichrists. 
There's one going to be revealed after the rapture, but right now, in the last days that we are living, there are many antichrists, those that oppose Christ. And one of the attributes of the Antichrist, he blasphemes God. So if you're one of the many Antichrists, you will blaspheme God. Are you with me? Now listen, I'm, the spirit of the Antichrist is blaspheming God every day, and I'm fed up. But I'm not leaving you there. I came to give you good news today, all right? Go over one more chapter, Revelation 14, verses 14 and 15. Look at this. Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and seated on the cloud, one like a son of man, with a golden crown on his head, and a sharp sickle in his hand. Another angel came out of the temple, calling with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Put in your sickle, and reap, for the hour to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is fully ripe. Still in the tribulation. But I read that scripture, and it says there's a man on a cloud with a crown on his head, with a sickle in his hand. As it gets darker, and we have a tendency to be more fed up, as it gets rougher in the world, I will tell you, the harvest is ready. That's what a sickle's for, to bring in the harvest. When things are rough, I'm going to be real clear, revival comes. So there's hope today. The hope is this. There's a man on the cloud with a crown on his head, with a sickle in his hand. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what you're mad about. I don't know what is what has been attacking you. I don't know what the devil has tormented you with. I don't know what he has uh, terrorized you with, but there is always the man on the cloud with the crown on his head, with the sickle on his hand. Do you realize that that man that is on the cloud with the crown on his head, with the sickle in his hand, he's coming back. And I will tell you, one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Bible said, and this one, the one on the cloud, he said, I was dead and behold I am alive forevermore and have the keys of death and hell. Thank God for the man that is on the cloud with the crown on his head, with the sickle in his hand. I don't think you're getting this in you tonight or today. I want you to wake up in the middle of the night with that in your, on your head. I want you to wake up at 4 a.m., not because you can't pay your bills, but remember, when you can't pay your bills, there's a man on the cloud with a crown on his head, with a sickle in his hand. When, you, when the doctors give you their bad report, there's a man on the cloud with a crown on his head, with a sickle in his hand. When you're told that your child can't learn, there's a man on the cloud with a crown on his head, with a sickle in his hand. Everybody say, man on the cloud crown on his head, sickle in his hand. Every time you feel like giving up, remember, man on the cloud, crown on his head, sickle in his hand. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. That man on the cloud with the crown on his head, with the sickle in his hand, he's coming back. He's coming back very soon. Listen to me. I've told this, and I mentioned it earlier when I began preaching, being in that earthquake seven years ago, it affected my life. 300,000 people approximately went into eternity and it haunts me the things I saw that day. The next morning when it finally got light again, I heard people crying. I saw people crushed. I saw bodies lining the street. 
some covered, some uncovered. I saw brutal sights. This wasn't a movie, this was reality. But I thought about the 300,000, and that's what compels me to keep going back to Haiti. I'm a, I'm a debtor to those people. But in three, 300,000 people went into eternity. I'm alive. But those people, the only consolation I have is there were 35 seconds that earthquake went on. And I pray that many of those people called on the name of the Lord. But this man that's coming back with the cl- from the cloud, this man that's coming back, crown on his head, sickle in his hand, this man Jesus that's coming back, He's not going to give you 35 seconds when he comes back. The Bible said he comes in the twinkling of an eye. The Bible said he comes in the twinkling of an eye. You don't have 35 seconds to get ready. You, it's faster than I can snap my fingers, faster than I can blink my eye. He'll be back. And he's coming back for people that are without sin. You say, well, we've all sinned. Well, that is true, but the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all of our sin. But he's coming back for those that are without spot or wrinkle. That's what he said. And I believe today we need to be ready for his coming. He could come at any time. I look at everything that I'm fed up with. All the things point to Jesus coming soon. You go down that list in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, every one of them is happening today in an unprecedented manner. People blaspheme God. Comedians, it used to just be a couple of comedians. Now everybody just thinks they can, God's, it's free day on God and Jesus and Christians. He's coming. And he gets the last word, folks. He gets it. I'm more than a conqueror today, but I'm going to tell you something. I've got to be ready for his coming. I want you to stand with me in this building. I'm asking you today to check yourself while you're standing there. I'm not asking about what you did some other Sunday, some other meeting when you were a child. I'm not asking what your mom did. I'm not asking those things. I'm asking about your heart. What if that man on the cloud with a crown on his head, sickle in his hand, what if he came back in the twinkling of an eye? This, he could come at any moment. You say, why do I preach this way? Because it's the Word of God. We got to tell people to be ready. One of the things I wish is I could have been to Haiti 42 times before the earthquake. But I can't do anything about that now. I'm going to do what I can until Jesus comes.